with demand expected to come back, the question remains, does this mean the economy is back on track? Companies now, after experimenting with offshore in places like India, Philippines, and Poland, want to bring those jobs back. We invest in the U.S. We're the biggest exporter in the country. In the cycle one right now, we're creating jobs. From Radio America, it's Neil Asbury's Made in America, the show that explores American industry large and small and promotes American-made products everywhere. Put Neil Asbury's Made in America to work for you. A very big welcome to you today. I'm your host, Neil Asbury, together with co-host Dr. Rich Rothman. So, Rich, man, we've got a great show today. Wonderful, wonderful show. But just one headline here that I'd like to kind of put out there, and, it, and, it, and it's big, and I understand this, and, and, and a lot of things happening in California, a lot of things happening. We're going to talk about that. I mean, this thing with uh, uh, John Wayne in, uh, in the airport, I mean, in Orange County, I mean, absolutely the bizarre. Duke. The Duke. The Duke. The Duke. The Duke. I love yeah. the guy. I mean, remember, I grew up with the guy. I mean, he's, he's about as American as apple pie. You know, I, I don't know about that, but we're going to get further into that. But you know what else is happening in California? People are flocking out of the state. I mean, it's absolutely incredible. And a lot of businesses now are, are, are going right over the border to Nevada in, in basing out of Nevada, um, warehouse distribution, you know, wanting them to have access to California, but not wanting to pay its taxes. That's exactly right. Or deal with all of its regulation. Well, yeah. And all and the other nonsense, uh, yeah, political yeah, nonsense. But sometimes they bring their concepts that they had in California with them. And so then they pollute the new waters that they're in. And, and that's a concern for some of the folks in, in Nevada, because you may turn Nevada into California. Uh, oh, the God way forbid. Oregon got turned into California and Washington got turned into Oregon. And oh, my God, it doesn't stop. Well, let's hope let's hope that Florida doesn't turn into New York. Oh, that would be awful. Well, you know, that, that would, uh, there, you know, you, you read you read in, in, in Florida and you hear reports out of Florida how New Yorkers are flocking to Florida yep. to get away from New York. taxes yeah. and regulation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They can bring it here. I don't think it's But the they'll winners. have a tan. I, mean, I don't think it's the I don't think yeah. it's the winners anymore. No. I think they're getting away from government. Yeah. They're getting away from the government. And that brings us to our top story about the fifteen minimum fifteen dollar an hour minimum wage sparks a jobs recession in New York. Now, wasn't that supposed to lift up everybody? By the way, this is the headline in an editorial in the Investor's Business Daily. And our first guest is actually quoted in this piece, uh, Mark Perry, economist for the American Enterprise Institute. And uh, he's joining us right now. Hey, Mark, welcome to Made in America. Yeah, happy to be back, Neil. So, so very fascinating here is that, you know, here it is, okay, you know, $15 an hour, you know, everybody's going to be so happy. Now you got the governor, apparently, of uh, of Illinois saying that they're going to do the same thing. And uh, more folks are going to be going across that border from Illinois to Wisconsin, I'm sure. Um, just like, you know, we see that happening in other states that have really taken this sort of anti-business, anti-small business, anti-entrepreneur sort of attitude, you know, just keep raising, raising, raising wages, uh, nice politically, maybe it's good for the base, but it's bad for business. It, it, it can't be bad for business for a long time, Mark, without really, without, you know, really damaging the, the, the community there and the tax base and everything that good, good, solid Americans who are working hard, paying their taxes. Well, if you don't have them paying their taxes anymore because they're no longer there or there are no more jobs, 
what are they trying to accomplish? <laughs> well, yeah, and you know, I've done a couple studies recently about the uh, state-to-state migration flows uh, on an annual basis, and you know, just thinking about the difference between Chicago, um, New York and in Florida, because Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez's mother just, I guess, moved from New York to Florida. Yeah, isn't, that, isn't that crazy? Yeah. I mean, she probably couldn't, mother hand, she couldn't handle She couldn't handle the billboards. She got very <laughs> upset. She's so humiliated by your daughter, she had to leave. I don't know, Mark. But well, and that I just did a comparison on 14 different economic measures from whether the state is right to work, what their unemployment rate is, their GDP growth rate, their state tax burden, their business friendliness. Uh, business rankings, uh, state uh, fiscal condition, and on all 14 economic measures of tax burden and so on, um, Florida comes out ahead of New York on all 14 of those measures. So it just seems doesn't seem to get through to politicians that corporations and businesses and workers and people are very mobile. And I've documented it over years that there's out-migration from the states like Illinois, as you're talking about, and from New York and California, towards the states that have lower tax burdens and are more business friendly. So it's really the case that people and workers and businesses can vote with their feet. There's been a huge outflow from Illinois into Wisconsin. I just wrote an article about that. And so that's where it just doesn't seem like the politicians completely understand yet that people are mobile and they move away from high-tax states. And so, again, that's been documented and is, you know, really, I think, an uh, important point to recognize. And then, of course, this whole situation about New York with the $15 minimum wage that just went into effect in, in New York City, at least, it went up to $15. And so the full-service res- restaurants in New York City are really suffering. And there was that article that kind of caught my attention from the New York Eater, and it was that restaurateurs are scrambling to cut service and raise prices after minimum wage hike. So especially the full-service restaurants are most susceptible to this, and their minimum wage for in New York City for firms that have, I think, more than 12 workers went from $11 a couple years ago to $15 as of the first of the year. So that's like a 36% increase in labor cost for restaurants. And, you know, that gets passed along in a couple of different ways, or there's a couple of different effects. Um, one of it is that if it's a restaurant that's trying to survive in a highly competitive, you know, intensely competitive market, that they not only have to pay their workers more with a mandated minimum wage, but everybody that they buy stuff from, all of their food and linens and supplies and equipment, that all of those companies are affected as well by the minimum wage. And so then all their costs of doing business go up, not just for their own labor costs, but for everything that they buy. So it's really having a negative impact. In fact, the, um, it was about a 2.5% annual decrease in full-service restaurant jobs recently in New York City, and that's the biggest annual decrease since what happened right after 9-11, where the you know, restaurant business really suffered. And so even during the Great Recession, the restaurant jobs never fell by as much as they have in recent months in New York City. And so I think that's presenting a situation where I called it a restaurant recession is happening in New York City now because of the $15 minimum wage. So what I, what I find interesting is that we know, statistically speaking and historically speaking, that raising minimum wage has unattended consequences, those of which you just discussed. And yet, why is it 
and, and I guess this kind of fits into the whole socialist concept that we're hearing out there right now. We know something's not good for us, but still a good plurality of the country in, endorses it, embraces it, and so forth. Sort of like, you know, the millennials saying, well, you know, what's wrong with socialism? You know, wh- I don't understand. We're not the same socialists that the bad guys were. And yet, somehow, people know that there are bad things that can happen by raising the minimum wage, sort of like central planning. And yet, they're not running from it. Why, why is this, like, dichotomy that's out there? Yeah, you know, it's, it's really interesting because, I mean, throughout all of history, government, um, any kind of government price control, whether it's on wages or interest rates or a product, um, have had a, a complete and miserable you know, history and record of failure, and so minimum wage is, is no different. But I think, you know, trying to figure out why it's so appealing is that people only look at the benefits, and they don't look at the cost. And if you only look at public policy through the benefits side and ignore the cost, that's how you get, you know, things like minimum wage and the Green New Deal and, uh, you know, Medicare for all and so on. So in the case of the minimum wage, we look at the benefits to some workers who might keep their job if their hours aren't cut, but we ignore all of the costs to restaurant owners who are trying to survive in a competitive industry. And in that article that was recently in the New York Eater, they, you know, kind of profiled one chain of restaurants, the Rosa Mexicana. And I think they've got four or five uh, locations in Manhattan. Yeah, four restaurants in Manhattan. And this $15 minimum wage is going to impact that just one chain of four restaurants by increasing their labor costs by $600,000 this year. So, you know, when you look at it through the business owner's side, you would come to, or at least balance the benefits to some workers along with, you know, somebody has to pay the higher wage, and that's the restaurant owners and small businesses. So if we, and that's where economics kind of gives us the insight to do a total cost-benefit analysis and not ignore the cost. And when we look at the costs and benefits, the conclusions are generally the government price controls, including higher mandated minimum wages, are always going to make the economy and the market and workers worse off, not better off. And and there's a lot of evidence about that. I mean, you know, they, they've tried to, well, we've raised the minimum wage many times um, since I, when was the first minimum wage enacted? Was it like back in the 30s or something? I mean, it really goes back. I mean, this this discussion about the minimum wage and whether it creates jobs. It's or, not a new conversation. Or, or we lose jobs. I mean, this is not new. And there's evidence that says we, we lose jobs. Yeah, it goes back to the 1930s. And, you know, I mean, there's some... You know, I don't know, I guess disagreement a little bit on on what the effects are, because often there's a lot of other things happening. And so, like in Seattle, they raise the minimum wage to $15 an hour, but it's the economy is booming, and so it seems like it doesn't have much effect. But then on the other hand, maybe if they hadn't raised the minimum wage to 15 maybe the economy would have been doing even better. So it's really hard in economics, of course, or public policy to do controlled experiments and you know, have a $15 minimum wage, see how it works out, go back and start over in time with a $12 minimum wage. So we can't ever really have a definitive empirical answer, although most economists are generally, I think, in consensus that minimum wage overall have a negative effect on workers. And, and again, there's so many secondary effects, including the fact, and they mentioned this in this New York Eater article, that even though some workers' wages went up because the government forced their employer to pay higher wages, their hours got cut to a enough degree that they actually were earning less per week than they were before the minimum wage went up. Exactly. So and they're going to expect a lot more. 
from fewer people. Uh, we're going to talk about that in a second. Hey, hey, Mark, thanks for being on this show. A, a very fascinating piece. Um, we love your work. We hope you come back to join us soon. Mark Perry, economist at the American Enterprise Institute. Thanks, Mark. Yeah. Coming up, Dr. Rothman and I are going to carry on with this topic, but a lot more, a lot more in the headlines this week that impact your jobs. Made in America. America. I'm your host, Neil Asbury, together with the co-host, Dr. Rich Rothman. So, Rich, you know, inflation isn't going up by 35, 40% a year, right? It's not going up. That's right. right? It's, it's, it's really quite under control, actually. I think a lot of people have said, oh, inflation is coming, inflation is coming. It's got to come, and it's inevitable, it's inevitable. Well, they've been saying that for quite a long time. No, they say the economy is heating up. And, 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 then, and then the Fed has got to increase interest rates so we don't have That's inflation right. and all of this other kind of thing. But, you know, whenever a business, whenever a business has a 35, 40 percent increase on its number one or maybe number two expense to run that business, like in a restaurant. You know, your food cost and your labor cost, I mean, that's it. I mean, that's basically what you have. Um, and uh, a big part of, 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 of your budget. And if, if one of those were to go up 35, 40%, I mean, it is going to make things different, right? That's right. So what do you got to do? You got to try to find a way to pass that on to your customers. But boy, that's a big increase to pass to your customers. Or, or you got to cut somewhere else. Or you got to expect a lot more out of those people that are being employed by you, you're just going to have to get a lot more out of them. Maybe that means automation, right? You got to automate. You got to automate because, you know, having people, you just can't afford to do certain roles. And that's why we find, and Mark is telling us that, is that we're seeing, what in, in his piece here, he says that in just the last three months of last year, 4,000 workers in New York City lost their jobs in full-service Restaurants, and that's from the Bureau of Labor Statistics. I think that's pretty uh, a pretty reliable source. So there you go. Well, what what happened? And this is a very American thing. This is part of the American uh, you know landscape. We innovate. We innovate. Mm -hmm. So if if costs go up, then you start looking. We all do this when you're running a company. We look at our line items. We see where the numbers are going up, and then you look at it and say, How can I mitigate that? What do I have to do? And in many 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 cases. You know, um, artificial intelligence comes in, and you're going to eliminate people, and you're going to bring in robotics or artificial intelligence, AI, to take over some of the tasks that humans are doing right now, if, in fact, they can do that, whether it's taking orders and so forth. And it's out there right now. We've seen it in the last five years. The landscape is changing, particularly in the fast food restaurants. So that changes, Neil. So, we, yeah, we innovate. That's an American. That's a great American quality. Well, innovation. So... Okay. Job loss. Innovators, here's your opportunity. You know, hey, look, I think there's a lot of pressure, and it's not gonna, it's not gonna stop, right? What did we hear in Seattle the other day that you know they went up to 15, and now they want to go to 18 or whatever it is? Yeah, they they said that a while back. They, they don't. 15 is not enough. 17 dollars. I mean, why not just go to 25 dollars? I mean, I mean, once you're at 18, I mean, you're just you're you're a tad shy of 40 thousand dollars a year that, for just any sort of. 
you know, entry level, you know, yes. you know, just you right. know, sort of simple sort of labor that, that you need to do, you know, to do anything, to sweep the floors. I mean, anything. Well, uh, $40,000 a year. Exactly. But doesn't that kind of say sounds that a bit excessive. you can central plan certain things? Not one size fits all works for all? Well, that's it. That's the beautiful country that we have. Let the market decide. Maybe exactly. that wage should be, hey, look, yeah, Seattle, it's got that, that, that tech boom going out there. Hey, Seattle's got a lot of great things going for it. It's a beautiful city. Wow, it's an innovative city. Maybe that wage should be $25 an hour. I exactly. don't know. But I got to tell you, there's a lot of places in our country and even in these cities that have the higher minimum wage that they're, that, that, that maybe it should be 10 or 11 or 12. But should not the market decide? The market will ultimately decide, you know? Yeah, the market it, it, will market will entrepreneurs, decide. Entrepreneurs, let entrepreneurs be entrepreneurs. Let small businesses do their things and our inventors and our risk takers. They need labor. You know, unleash them. Let them go. They're going to employ people, and they're going to pay what they need to pay in order to get the people. Well, that's and, right. And, and it's a trickle down, Neil, because what will decide what you're going to get paid for the jobs that you have is the geography that you're in, because rents and, you know, living expenses, you know, eating expenses, everything is different in different areas. So how can one size fit all? Well, it's because we live, in, in, at least on the progressive side, or I should say the regressive side, we live in this sort of big brother culture like that they would like to create for us, right? And we're going to talk about the big brother culture of surveillance capitalism. I and mean, we're going to get back to that topic here in a second. But, but they also want to, yeah, they want to regulate our, our businesses in, in, in the way that we hire people, in the way that we attract people. The market should ultimately decide. Well, we talked about, uh, the California dreaming or maybe it's, uh, <laughs> The California nightmare. I think it was the dream, and now it's the nightmare. No, I, no, I, I think there's a serious People problem. People leaving the state in droves. Yeah, no, I think that's a very serious problem, and it's a serious problem for neighboring states. Look at what's happened to Texas. Texas is a great red state, and it's changing right now. I mean, if you're down in Texas right now, and you're, you know, I, I was there recently with uh, some some of the folks in, in Dallas that are responsible for trying to attract businesses, specifically from California. And they're all happy that they're attracting all these businesses from California. But I got to tell you, be careful what you wish for. Because with that, you know, it, it, it also comes problems, you know, and hopefully that they're coming there realizing why Texas works and California doesn't. Well, yes. And Texas has gone through a change. I've done a lot of business and I still do a lot of business in Texas. And you go into Dallas and Houston. Houston's a very liberal city. Austin, off the walls and liberal liberalism. I mean, with the university being there. So, you know, yeah, yeah. There are unattended consequences for the migrations that occur, and, and Americans are nomadic. So be careful. That's right. Hey, we're going to get back to surveillance capitalism. I know I like you like that. that one. No, I like that I one. Like. Yeah, that's sexy. Coming up, we have John Whitehead from the Rutherford Institute. He's going to talk about this surveillance capitalism, and, and that we're, <laughs> Rich, we're being branded bought and sold for our data. This is scary stuff. You don't want to miss it. Made in America. Hey, if you're moving short, 
sharply higher at the open, stocks continued to perform well over the course of the day Tuesday. And I think that bodes well here over the next couple of years for having bigger demands coming to this country. Now, more of Neil Asbury's Made in America. In America, I'm your host, Neil Asbury, together with co-host Dr. Rich Rothman. Hey, Rich, I mean, we've talked about this a lot lately. Surveillance capitalism. I mean, it is really scary stuff. I mean, how much, you know, information and data that we're giving out. Well, we don't even know that we're giving it out. Well, that's you know, the problem. It's all happening without our consent. It's instantaneous. And instantaneous. It's being tracked and stored and, and analyzed uh, by robots. Well, yeah, it, it, there are, algorithms. It, it, exactly. I was just going to get to the word algorithms. Yeah, we're out there. There, there are profiles on everybody, everywhere, and in most people have no idea they're being surveilled whatsoever. You might be sitting it's at home around, watching you know, TV, and you're being surveilled from your television on our iPhones. We're sitting there, you know, and we don't realize it. But it's kind of almost like they got a camera watching us. Well, as a matter of fact, they do have a camera watching you. They certainly have our data imprint, right? Well, they, they, nothing is sacrosanct. Nothing is secret. Everything is out there. And it's a very, very dangerous world because you really don't know who's using it. So what That's do we do with that information side. about you? And anything and everything that you do digitally, which is just about anything and everything you do, is being, is being analyzed. Well, I guess I guess you can you know go out and live in the world. I mean, this is disconnect. like you know we we talk about wiretaps. I mean, this is like the ultimate wiretap. Well, it's the Wi-Fi tap. <laughs> there are no wires. Well, coming out right now is John Whitehead from the Rutherford Institute, and and let me tell you about the title of the piece that he's just published: "The Age of Tyrannical Surveillance." We're being branded, bought, and sold for our data. Wow, that's scary stuff. Hey, John, welcome to Made in America. Hey, thanks for having me on. So tell us, tyrannical surveillance. I mean, this is really taking it up a notch, right? Surveillance capitalism, tyrannical yeah. surveillance. I mean, this is really, really scary stuff. I mean, this is like a this is like a horror movie. You know, tell us about your piece. Well, it's like a futuristic movie, except we're in the future now. And you, you said uh, artificial intelligence. I Artificial intelligence is running everything basically now. Um, well, if you again, you were saying if you're if you say anything in your phone now, if I were you, go check a few minutes and look at your news feed. Uh, people are telling me when they they're having a conversation with their wife, uh, they go to their news feed and there are some articles popping up on the subject they were talking about. So your your phone's listening to you. The FBI has said that they can actually tap into your phone and turn it on any moment and listen to your conversations. The NSA is uh, taking down at least 700 million of your calls annually across this country. Content, listening to what you're doing, uh, your face uh, on Facebook. I mean, they know where everything you're doing. And I use the term surveillance capitalism. They're it's, they're working with the major corporations. They're working with Facebook. They're working with Google. Google admits they work with the National Security Agency, the NSA, and the CIA. Uh, so you're being tracked wherever you go. It's it's not wiretap. What it is is it's a total, absolute profile on everything you're doing. And then uh, I've also written on DNA with the way DNA is going and the way they're taking you know all these D- these countries like Ancestry.com, Family DNA. They're giving. They admit FamilyDNA.com admits that they're giving it over to the FBI. Your DNA samples. So they have you. If you have the DNA, they have you. And uh, the police have Stingray devices. They can pull up in front of your home, download everything on your computer and your cell phone, and drive off. 
So when you're out, Google's following you, you know. They even have an alert now that if you're moving to a crime scene, they alert the police. So they know who's moving toward a crime scene. Uh, we're, we've gone so far down the road. People like Elon Musk, if you know who he is, and uh, oh, Stephen sure. Hawking, and other people, you know, Elon Musk says, gee, it's just... Uh, we're, we're right to, within five years. He said the human brain is going to merge with with uh, the computers. Uh, he's advancing a neural link that you can put in your mind and connect to a computer, and a lot of people will do that. So, the question is, who will be running the show? Who will be running the show? Will be basically what we call robots. We used to call robots, but we call it AI now. But uh, I mean, and here's the problem: some major scientists come out and said AI is not perfect. It's created by people who are not perfect. And it can make mistakes. It can report you to the police when you're not doing something. They're reading your emotions now. Well, they can your anticipate. How, you're fidgeting, whatever, to see if you're dangerous. Well, yeah. And, you know what this reminds me of? TSA is watching you as well, by the way, on these things. When the airports now have facial recognition software. They're tracking you. So, uh, some federal marshals now, if you look strange or object to a pat-down, they're uh, following people on the airplanes and watching them. Well, I thought that was Southwest Airlines. I, you know, That's, I, doing I've that seen that happen. You know what? You know, John. You know what this reminds me of, and this is pretty scary. The, the film Minority Report, where they yes. take a series of algorithms and they and they document, look at people, and they prognosticate based upon factors that are happening right now. So, as you Free just time, described, yes. you may be fidgeting, you may be thinking, you may be looking, you may be emotional. They pick up on that, and guess what? You're targeted. Yep, it's called pre-crime and. Uh the government has a database. I mean, it, it, they call it uh, Main Corps. It has eight million names on it for now for those who will be rounded up in times of distress. They admit that. So you may be a rebel just because of uh, how the the machines are reading what you're doing. And uh, the FBI has terrorist watch lists that they share with uh, almost 1,500 you know, corporations. So it's surveillance capital. What I'm saying, we live in a corporate state. The corporations have the the, the large ones have essentially. How do we control the government? But, but John, how do we control people like Google and 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 other uh, technology companies who are collecting this data, and you know they're storing it, and you know they're building up these great databases for a for a a, a commercial purpose, right? I mean, there's one yeah. you know where government's doing it to surveil, you know, for understanding what we're doing and when we're doing it, and maybe are we a problem or a risk or whatever. But there's another group that's out there doing it for commercial gain. And yes. without our knowledge and without our approval, something just Amazon. seems inherently wrong with that. Jeff Bezos just got a ten million dollar deal with the Department of Defense. He has a six million dollar wow. deal, which he set up all the intelligence clouds for all the seven intelligence agencies. This is Amazon, and it's shared by all seventeen agencies plus Amazon and some of the bigger corporations. We don't get to share it; <laughs> they get <laughs> to cool. share it. Yeah, but hey, um, all this uh, money that's going, it's taxpayer money, by the way, and here's the key. I'm a constitutional lawyer. The Fourth Amendment says very clearly we're not supposed to be, surveillance is not supposed to be conducted on us unless they have probable cause of some kind of criminal activity afoot or something. They're just doing it willy nilly now, and you don't know it. Wow. Well, uh, incredible stuff. Hey, John, unfortunately we're out of time, but we're really, 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 really happy that you came on and, uh, and shared with us your thoughts and about the piece, uh, The Age of Tyrannical Surveillance. We're being Thank branded, you, bought, and sold for our data. Think about that. That's scary stuff. Hey, John, thanks for being on the show. Thank you, sir. Coming up, we have Joe Barnett from the Heartland Institute. 
We're going to talk about the U.S. economy. Is it slowing? Is it slowing or will it grow? We're going to find that out just in a moment. Made in America. Welcome to Made in America. I'm your host, Neil Asbury, together with co-host, Dr. Rich Rothman. So, Rich, we're going to pivot. We're going to pivot to the economy, and we're going to pivot to trade and trade deficits and tariffs and very, very important stuff. Rates. Rates. Lots of important stuff. Rates. Growth. Rates. Lack of growth. Rates. But according to the New York Fed, the U.S. growth to to slow considerably in 2019. I kind of don't see that. I kind of don't see that. We're going to bring on right now Joe Barnett from the Heartland Institute, and we're going to hear what he has to say about this. Joe, welcome to Made in America. Well, uh, thank you for having me, Ned. So, look, you know, my my kind of um, um, idea on this is that that we're going to get a trade deal done with China. I think everybody's going to be relieved because there's going to be some sort of certainty. Whatever it's going to be, it's going to be much better than what we've had in the past. And, you know, there's just going to be a lot of people relieved about it and that everybody uh, like myself, uh, who's an American entrepreneur and manufacturer and exporter and importer and doing the whole global trade thing, primarily using American factories, um, are going to be very we're going to be very happy about that. And, and, and we we vote with our pocketbooks and we're going to go out there and we're going to invest and uh, anything that we've been holding back, we're going to put it all on the line. And that means growth in the U.S., not slowing down considerably. I mean, what do you think? Oh, I agree. I, I think that's the uh, big uncertainty is the trade deal with China. And the prospects are uh, for getting one and it improving the terms of trade. And I think that will relieve the uh, some of the uncertainty uh, you mentioned, because that seems to be there. The uh, Fed's main concern uh, is that that we don't know the future, and therefore it's going to be bad. <clears throat> well, yeah, and, and they come out with these comments, such, such as Larry Summers did back in December, and, and next thing you know, the market takes a, I mean, it just dumps points left and right, and we wind up with a disastrous Christmas Eve, you know, nightmare. Uh, all because someone made a comment uh, regarding the economy, an unelected person making a comment on the economy, and to a degree controlling the economy, and, and it well, does I mean, it does get me very concerned. Neil. Well, well, let's be let's be honest. I mean, he's rooting against the economy. Yeah, I mean, the oh, Democrats are going to be rooting against the economy because President Trump will be rooting for the economy. So, so naturally, they're going to want the economy to go down. What do you say? Uh, well. Uh the uh, 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 New York Fed president mentions uh, the new normal, and to the, the Federal Reserve, that's 2% or less growth. And I think the economy has shown over the last two years that uh, we can grow at a much faster pace in real terms. Uh, I disagree with them fundamentally uh, in that they see the growth of the last two years as a result of deficit spending. But I think it's a, despite that, 
Uh, I think uh, the the growth we've experienced is due to the tax cuts and the deregulatory agenda and pro-business policies of the uh, administration that uh, we've been following. Well, what I here here's here's what drives me crazy, gentlemen. For example, Jay, uh, uh, Jeff Cox, CNBC, um, did a piece today, and they said U.S. households see biggest decline in net worth since the financial crisis. Well, okay, are we are we collapsing right now? No. Did we collapse prior to uh, you know sometime in December? Yes. Did we regain the points that we lost in December going into January? One of the biggest startups for the year. Yes. But but if you read the headline. The headline's saying it differently, isn't it? It's saying U.S. households see biggest decline in net worth since the financial crisis. They don't say when. They don't say how. They don't say whether it was recovered. But for a short period of time, yeah, we took a hit. I find that to be astounding. Um, and, and certainly that's affected by uh, things such as the run-up in the market and, and then the downturn. And also housing prices are uh, so much of a uh, factor in household wealth. Uh, uh, it, it's better to look at, uh, I think, savings and, and uh, uh, those sort of metrics rather than, than wealth because it's so affected by the housing market. So, so, Joe, let me ask you, you know, there's another headline out this week that says that uh, the U.S. Post's record trade deficit. You know, that's a bit counterintuitive because... You know, with the trade tariffs, you would think that, you know, that we would have slowed down trade, we'd have been importing less, and therefore we would have less of a trade deficit. But, um, you know, why, why is that? I mean, why, why has the deficit continued to rise when imports have ostensibly, at least, become more expensive? Well, I, I, I think that it hasn't had the negative effect uh, on trade that uh, some forecast, because after all, the, the tariffs that have been imposed are pretty selective. Uh, we're not talking smooth hawley type across-the-board tariffs, but uh, uh, I would say tactical tariffs uh, meant to uh, open up trade. And uh, as a result of that, I think uh, we are, uh, for instance, the trade deal with South Korea and uh, the pending trade deal with China show that uh, that there, there's, there's plenty of uh, desire to trade with the U.S., and uh, I'm not as concerned about the uh, trade deficit growing as I would be if it were, uh, you know, plummeting, uh, which, as you say, would indicate a, a real slowdown. Hey, Joe, thanks for being on the show. We really appreciate your thoughts. Joe Barnett from the Heartland Institute. Thanks, Joe. We'll, we'll, talk, to you, we'll talk to you again soon. Uh, enjoyed it. Thanks a lot. Coming up, Dr. Rothman and I are going to have some final thoughts for the day. Made in America. Welcome to Made in America. I'm your host, Neil Asbury, together with co-host, Dr. Rich Rothman. So, Rich, you know, I got to just talk a little bit about the GDP growth, just to kind of uh, uh, kind of close off on this. In the Obama eight years, I mean, a two percent GDP growth would have been like the most incredible thing, like this biggest growing 
market and everybody's jumping and doing high fives and doing cartwheels. And I mean, it's just an amazing thing. Look what we were able to accomplish. Yeah. And so the Fed says, okay, well, we might grow at 2.9%, but we have been growing at three plus percent. We fixed this China thing and, you know, maybe we're up into the fours. I mean, that's historic. I mean, the, I, I, I guess you, it, it, it's just very, Hypocritical, isn't it? I mean, you know, the standard <laughs> I'm that stunned to that hear Trump, that there's hypocrisy out there. But that, yeah, that the standard is anything less than three is. Oh my goodness, this is such a bear market. Just hitting two would have been an incredible accomplishment for the Obama administration. It just 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 goes to show. Well, it does go to show. And what I, what I find interesting in the media out there and the fake news, and, the, and again, as I was explaining earlier, that you can play with numbers and make them sound any way you want. You know, biggest drop in years. You know, that, that, well, it only happened for two and a half weeks because as soon as the new year came, the market went back up again, just about where we were, and then hit a new high for a while and came back a little bit, but it's still pretty, doing pretty good right now. So yeah, I just find it astounding that they're out there saying that, you know, uh, you know, just a few weeks ago, they said, well, it looks like, you know, Trump missed. It looked like he didn't get 3%. He's really 2.9%. Oh, okay, good. So that's great. And then this week, the feds came out with their numbers again. No, no, we, we corrected it, self-corrected. We really broke 3%. Oh, okay, that's great. That's wonderful. Except, why do you have to come back after the fact? I think it's so difficult out there right now, Neil, to try and get the truth and, and, and disseminate the information. That worries me a lot. Okay, and, and that's very fair. That's very fair. Um, but under President Trump, I mean, it's also fair to say that the budget deficit, I mean, we're spending a lot of money here. And um, Well, he got sucked into this also, this is, and, and maybe he shouldn't is, sign some of these temporary is, budget bills. This is kind of scary. There's stuff. been a big fight about that. Why did he sign the bill going back to the $780 billion going to the military a year ago? He did that, he said, to get the $780 billion to the military because our military was in, in tremendous need of upgrade and repair and, and getting it back to par where we need to be so we can protect this country, which is the primary job of the president and the, and the government anyway. So if he did that, then he spent a lot of money and boom, we're, 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 we're running, running a huge budget deficit again. Yeah, but can any administration, I don't know, with all the pressures in Washington, um, you know, during the Obama administra administration, and it took us it took us how many two hundred and thirty odd years to get to ten trillion of a of a of public debt. I mean, a massive amount of money. That's a trillion, ten trillion with a T. And then in the Obama administration, we doubled it in just eight years. He was so good. <laughs> yeah. What a talent that guy had. Yeah, but look what's happening now too. I mean, it's still going up, up, and up. I, you know, there's just so much pressure. On any administration, let's be let's be fair to spend money. I mean, there is. And then you talk about the Green New Deal and oh, my goodness. I mean, what is it there? You know, 93 trillion. I mean, it's 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 unbelievable what that would cost. Well, and, and what's unbelievable is the disconnect between the people who were purporting and, and proposing it and saying this is the the end all. This is the this is how we got to go, because ev evidently in another 12 years from now, the world's coming to an end. Unless, of course, you know, AOC can get this bill through and save us. Wonder Woman coming out of the Queens. Just Wonder Woman's there. <laughs> you know, you know, by the way, you, you saw that on, on Times Square, Neil. They came out with a third sign this week. 
Are our good friends going after her? Yeah, going the after the Job Creators Network. The, yeah, 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 yeah. They job were just, cre- yo. they were just with us a couple of weeks ago. Yeah, they well, just last. Well, they week. did. The, they did the first two. Did they do the third one? They did a third one, and and they're basically saying that you know. By the way, we're the boss. Remember, she made a comment like, "I'm the boss. You haven't done this, and since I have, I'm the boss." Well, they came out with a statement, not only criticizing her again for the loss of jobs, revenue, and all that other stuff that we had check off all the boxes. She she blew every one of them. But the truth of the matter is, they went after her for saying she's the boss. And the truth of the matter is, guess what? We're the boss. You see, the congressmen and senators don't work for the congressmen and senators. They work for the masses. They work for us. We the people. Very important words. Three important words. We, the people, they work for us. She didn't get that. She, someone needs to give her that memo. I think she missed that when she was, you know. Probably she missed that, Neil, when she was taking her plane this week, not the train, because she told she said to everybody on the news, she had to get back to Washington very quick. Had to do that. I need the hours. Of course, we shouldn't take planes because, after all, it's it, not fair. Our carbon footprint. Carbon footprint. Yeah. Elites. Elite. Well, Rich. I got something very, very sad to tell you. I know. I'm going to hear it. We're out of time. But fortunately, we're going to be back again next week at the same time for another adventure of Made in America, where we never stop fighting for your jobs. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.